Hi, and thank you for tuning in to our Lighthouse podcast. We hope you enjoy the second installment of our new series, Brew. Welcome to Lighthouse. Thanks for joining us today. Thanks for checking us out online if you're listening to our podcast. Can you guys hear me okay? Is it fine? Do you guys hear me through the speakers okay? Yes? Awesome. Hear me now. Great. Life's too short for bad coffee. Yes. Amen. <laughs> One of the most critical aspects of good coffee is the roast. That's, that's the part where you have to take the bean. It looks like a cherry. It's like wet. It's filled with moisture. And you have to throw it in these giant drums and spin them around and heat them up so that all the moisture is separated. And then the bean dries out. It cracks and it starts becoming exactly the, the flavor that we know it as. It's so, it's so huge in the coffee process. You would never throw a, a wet-looking cherry into your coffee machine filter and pour water over it, hoping that you get coffee out the other. You're just going to get, like, some dust and maybe bugs, okay? It's not going to be coffee without the roast. That's one of the hugest parts of the whole coffee bean experience. And so in this sermon series, Brew, we're going through the entire process of what a, following a coffee bean from the plant all the way through to the cup. And right now we're on the second step, the, the roasting aspect. So last week we talked about how the farmer walks up to the plant, looks at the cherry, I'm just going to call it cherry because it looks like a cherry to me, and then plucks and pulls off the coffee bean and carries it to the next season, the next aspect, which is the roast. And we talked about the whole separation anxiety of, of being plucked from where we're comfortable and what we're used to and moving into the next season in the farmer's hands. The season of roasting. This is not really the pleasant season. This isn't the great season that's like, yeah, this is excellent. If you're the coffee bean, this is the scary season. This is a moment where you're comfortable in the farmer's hands and then he almost like abandons you into this drum of fire. And it's like, I don't think I like that. But in life, we can sometimes feel like that. We're all of a sudden, we feel all comfortable and cozy with Jesus. And we're like, yes, God, I love this. And all of a sudden, it's like things aren't going good. And it feels like we're in this fiery moment. And it's like, where is your hands of comfort, God? I don't feel it right now. And in reality, God's saying, this is, this is step two of the process. See, uh, the, the whole life of a coffee bean is intended to be the life of serving, of service. And, and when we enter the kingdom of heaven, when we enter into salvation, we're moving along in this whole aspect of servanthood. Jesus said, I, I didn't come to the earth to be served, but to serve others. And if we're supposed to have a heart like Jesus, we need to have this style heart. We, last week, we looked at the aspect of what does serving mean. It means having a heart of worship while we do things, while, while we follow after God. And the second part of it, we, we really have to go through this refinement process. See, just like how the coffee bean is, is being tumbled around and, and excess things are being stripped away, we go through that in the kingdom, and sometimes we can, we can misconstrue and think, oh, my life is awful right now. And God's like, I'm refining you. Do you not see what's happening? And, and we can blame everyone else, but in reality, God placed us here for refinement. 
don't, don't ever uh, think that this moment in life is something else other than God working in us. One of, um, one of my favorite aspects of in praying and preparing for this sermon series and thinking through the roasting aspect, I was, I was praying, God, give me an illustration, give me a story, give me an understanding of what roasting a coffee bean can be pulled out and looked at in the Bible. Because really, there's not roasting coffee in the Bible. You don't just flip to Roasters 2.12 and look at that in the Bible. That's not a scripture. And so I, I, needed, I needed God. <laughs> Hebrews. Okay, that's kind of fun. Why didn't I think of that sooner? <laughs> Thanks, Miranda. <laughs> You'll be seeing some more Hebrew scriptures <laughs> in the following weeks. So I was asking God, God, give me the story. Give me an understanding. Give me, what is it? And immediately God said, the threshing floor. The threshing floor is the roasting moment of the bean. And I was like, the threshing floor. So I started doing this research and it, it was this beautiful parallel illustration of what the threshing floor is, of what roasting a coffee bean is, and what refining us as a servant leader is. And they all parallel together. So, number one, illustration of the roasted bean. I, I want to look at one aspect of the threshing floor and then really look at what a threshing floor is and what the roasting coffee bean is. So in 1 Chronicles 21, 21 through 24, a whole lot of 20s in there, we're going to look at David and the threshing floor. Verse 21, David came up to Aruna. When Aruna saw David, he left the threshing floor and bowed deeply before David, honoring the king. David said to Aruna, Give me the sight of the flesh threshing floor so I can build an altar to God. Charge me the market price. David is not a good haggler in this. We're going to put an end to this disaster. Oh, master, my king, said Aruna, just take it. Do whatever you want with it. Look, here's an ox for the burnt offering and threshing paddles for the fuel and wheat for the meal offering. It's all yours, David replied reply to Aruna, no, I'm buying it from you and at full market price. Again, he's not a good haggler. But this is, this is the clincher. Listen to this. I'm not going to offer God sacrifices that are no sacrifice. David has this understanding that I, I want this threshing floor at full price because I'm not willing to worship my God who sacrificed for me if I'm not willing to put in a sacrifice myself. And it's this, this profound conversation on top of this threshing floor. So the, the threshing floor has certain char characteristics of it. Put it simply, a threshing floor is where you take all of the grain, all of your harvest, everything that you just spent the entire year growing, throw it on the ground, and then oxen and, and horses and giant rocks roll over the top to crush it and then release all of the excess, the chaff, the, the shell that's holding the seed flies into the air, and all that's left is the pure seed itself. See, all the excess has to go, has to get out of here, and all we want that's left is what we need to use. 
It's just the seed is left. It, it's the perfect embodiment of roasting because you have the full cherry, you have the shell, you have the juices, and you have the bean inside. And when you throw it in, it spins it around, heats it up, and removes all the excess to just leave the bean left. Right? Before that, you can't go to a supermarket and buy the whole coffee bean and say, I'll, I'll do the rest myself. No, it has to go through the whole process of roasting it. So it's really interesting in the story because we're coming to the conclusion of a threshing floor. So David's like, I want to buy this threshing floor because this is the location that I want to worship my God at. And a lot of times we, we could miss out of this context very easily. Do you know every single time a threshing floor is mentioned in the Bible, it's always mentioned that the presence of God will come. It's not there yet, but it's coming. It's like his presence is being ushered in. It's almost like this this moment of refinement that leads towards God's presence. That's, That's what the threshing floor represents symbolically in the Bible. And it's really unique because David's saying, I get that, I understand it, and I know the presence of God is coming here, and I want it on your spot. So A, pressure leads to presence. Pressure leads to presence. See, in the threshing floor and and also the coffee bean, when when this whole thing is thrown in and it's going through this refinement, this pressure, it's really leading towards the presence of God. And so let's, let's... contextualize that. Let's, let's get that to out of biblical speaking and into our lives right now. It's really easy to discount the frustrations at work as just frustrations and not, God, you're speaking to me something right now. Refine me in this moment. That's, that's what this is supposed to be about, this message. I have frustrations, they're hurtful, it's hard to go through, and I need to have the perspective that God is refining me and to dig me deeper into his presence. That's what the threshing floor is about. This this moment where it's between a rock and a hard place, literally. The hard place being the ground, the rock being rolled over the top. And in our own lives, God uses situations to refine us and dig us into his presence. And sometimes it's, it's kind of hard because it's, it's really easy to, to almost miss God's presence because we can dwell in our own surroundings and it's just consuming our own life and it's like living in Eeyore kind of woe is me kind of thing, you know? And it's like everything's bad, everything's terrible. But in reality, God's trying to crush certain things to remove them out of our lives so we can get into his presence. You know, what's interesting is one thing I love that God does through the, the Holy Spirit is even when I'm speaking this message, as I'm speaking it and the words of God are coming out, the Holy Spirit's working internally in us. And it's funny because I'm seeing faces and you already know what needs to be separated from your life. The Holy Spirit is speaking to you. And you're like, oh, this is what's going on that I need to remove. This is what's happening. So as we go deeper in this message realize that the presence of God is being ushered in. B, separation is the goal. 
Separation is the goal. Now, I'm not, please don't go to your marriage in this. This is not what I mean. Separation is the goal. In terms of what's happening in your life, is there something that's going on that God is working in you through a hard frustration in order to have so much pressure, eventually you're gonna go, I'm letting it go, God. I can't hold on to this under this kind of pressure anymore. Just like the coffee bean. I can't hold on to this full cherry, this full moisture anymore because I have to separate it out because God is refining me into who he has built me to be. There is a separation that needs to happen in our lives. This, the Bible calls it a sacrifice. I am sacrificing this portion of my life because the presence of God, I want to be fullest. I'm sacrificing it. And C, the illustration of the roasting the bean, C is transformation happens. If you look at a coffee bean before the roaster and after the roaster, you wouldn't even recognize it. It looks like a ripe cherry that you would eat. And out the other end, it looks like a, I don't know, a burnt coffee bean. We all know what a coffee bean looks like. Okay? <laughs> they don't look the same when they're going before and after. And I think that's interesting because that's what God's trying to do in us. When he puts us into these situations of refinement, he's saying, I don't want you to be the same after this that you are going into this. You're not supposed to be the same person. You're not supposed to snap back into it. And a lot of times, the hard part is if we come out the same and we, we, we revert back, God says, it's okay. I can take you through the process again. <laughs> don't worry. I love you. That's like... I don't, I don't want to do that again, God. <laughs> Transformation. Did you know, this, this, is, this is wild to me. It's math, and it doesn't add up in my mind. But did you know, when a coffee bean goes in, it loses 15% of the weight, sometimes up to 18%, okay? It loses 15% of the weight. And it, as it should, right? All the excess, the skin, the moisture, everything comes off it. But did you know the coffee bean doubles in size? Yeah, I don't know. I can't explain it. <laughs> I read that and I was like, what's happening inside there? But yeah. And so the, the whole technical aspect is because the gases expand and release, it causes the chemical reaction and expands and something happens and it's magical. I don't know. Coffee. Coffee science. But it, it loses 15% of the weight, but it doubles in size. Meaning it's completely transformed. It's not like it just feels different. It's transformed inside and out. That's God's goal with us when we go through these seasons of hardship. He's trying to transform our emotions, our mind, every aspect of us, our demeanor, how we react in situations. He's trying to transform it all. And what, what I love about this is how the coffee bean loses 15% of the weight, but it doubles in size. This is what God sees us as. We're losing 15% of the things we need to lose. Ditch them. But we're doubling in our spiritual maturity. That's what's happening in the coffee bean, and that's what's happening in us. We're ditching, we're losing things that we need to get rid of. But we're doubling in our maturity. We're doubling in our spirituality. We're doubling in our faith. We're doubling in all these other things that God is trying to improve us in. A lot of times we can think, oh, well, if I get rid of this, I'm going to be less of a person. No. 
That's not the case for a coffee bean, and it's not the case for us. Number two, identifying my season. Identifying my season. Have you ever seen the movie uh, Pirates of the Caribbean? It's a Disney, it's like an older movie. I loved it. Uh, there's this moment where Sophie Turner says, I don't believe in ghost stories. And Barbosa walks up, and he says, best start believing in ghost stories, lass. You're in one. Right, right, you know, it's like the most famous, iconic line in the movie. Except for, um, never mind, I can't go. I was about to get sidetracked so far, but I wouldn't come back. It's these moments where we, we think that everything else in our life is going wrong. It's like, oh, this is bad, this is bad, oh, this is awful, everything's, God's not even anymore. Bad, why do bad things happen to good people? We start throwing everything under the bus, and in reality, God's saying, I'm actually refining you right now. You think the devil had any part in this? I placed you here because I need you to double in your size. I need you to double your faith. I need to double your, your wisdom. I need you to keep growing. I put you here. And we don't, it would, it, we would be remiss if we start saying, I need to blame everyone else, but realize God is working in me. That's what's happening. We need to realize we are in a season of refinement. First Chronicles 21, 21 through 24. Again, going in on verse 22, let's look at that one. David said to Aruna, give me the site of the threshing floor so I can build an altar to God. Give me it at market price. We're going to put an end to this disaster. You might be wondering, what are you talking about? What disaster is happening right now? Tragedy is striking this land. Raiders are coming in. Famine is happening. And David goes, I think I want to start a building project. It's not really the time you do that unless you hear from God and God says to do that. See, disaster striking, and God says, this is a refinement moment for you to press in and worship me. In our times of, of heartache and frustration, sickness, disease, you name it, loss, those are moments for God to refine us towards worship. Worship, again, we defined it last week as, as our heart when we serve. So how do we identify the season of, of crushing, if you will? How do we identify that it's a season that God placed us in? Because sometimes we can, we might not be able to distinguish, is this an attack of the enemy or is God placing me here? And it's kind of, sometimes we can't identify which is which. And so I want to give some actual practical ways of understanding how it's God. So A, it's affecting all of you. If everything, every single aspect is being affected, it's a God thing. And when it's happening to your mind, your emotions, your physical life, when it's everything is flaring up versus one pinpoint. See, when it's one pinpoint, one thing, you can kind of narrow it down to, okay, I think I'm being attacked here. But when it's all of you, everything is being affected, it's a God moment. Because remember, the, the coffee bean doesn't get half roasted. You, don't, you can't just throw in like half the bean sits on the outside of the drum. No, it's, it's an all or nothing kind of thing. The threshing floor, it's an all-or-nothing kind of thing. And with God, it's an all-or-nothing kind of thing. He's saying, I'm trying to refine you, and just to give you a clue, I'm going to affect all of your life. Not just a portion 
where you can escape to and hide from. It's an all or nothing kind of thing. And be completely consumed. Have you ever had those moments where like something happens and then you just keep thinking about it and you keep thinking about it? You keep thinking about it? It's 4 a.m. and you keep thinking about it? And you're like, I better just turn on some TV, but you keep thinking about it. Before you know it, you've watched all the friends in like two days. And you keep thinking about it. You, you, know, you know those moments where you're completely consumed by this? Like it's plaguing you. You can't get rid of it. You can't get out of it. It's just nonstop on your mind. And if someone says a trigger word, you're going to lose it on them. It's like, don't you dare say that word. It's like, what's going on with you? Because you're consumed because God is not allowing it to leave your mind because he's like, can you get it already so we can move forward? I need you to grow already and you're completely consumed by it. It's, it's, it's the aspect of, have you ever gotten like a rock in your shoe? I've used this illustration before. Like you can't, like you know when you get it and you feel it after like the first two steps and then you just kind of forget that it's there? No, you don't. You keep stepping on it until you do something about it. God is, does the same thing in our, in our, in our minds and our hearts. It's like a rock in our shoe. And it's these, these frustrated moments where we just can't leave it. It's in our mind constantly, nonstop. Because God wants us to realize we're being refined. If it was something that we could just kind of pick up, let down, pick up, like a, that's, like, that's like a side kind of Christianity moment. That's like, a, like oh, I'll get to it eventually. God's like, I don't work that way. I need you to get this because I'm watching these days count down because your next season is starting here. And if you're not ready, we're going to have to repeat a season. And God's like, I don't want to do that again. I don't want to watch you go through this anguish again. I don't want to watch you go through these frustrations again. Get it, please. See. <laughs> oh, this one's so annoying. Avoidance is fuel. Avoidance is fuel. See, when, when, when you try to avoid something that God's trying to teach you, it's like gasoline on a fire. Has anyone, maybe, maybe I'm just a pyro, but has anyone thrown gasoline on a fire? <laughs> Besides me? <laughs> just lighter fluid. Yeah, has, has, anyone, has anyone thrown like, has anyone lit a barbecue? Like the appropriate way is you open up the top, right? And you have the charcoals and you go, and then you're like, right? Has anyone, has, and, then, and then maybe like a special few of you, including myself, you're like, the fire's not big enough. And it's just like, you know, like you can't make the fire big enough. It's just like, come on. That's what avoidance does in our life when, it ha when it's a spiritual thing. It becomes fuel. When we're like, we, we see something happen and we don't clue into the fact, we don't identify the blues clues that God is giving us and all of a sudden we miss it and God's like, you didn't catch it. So now I'm gonna have to make it spread. You didn't catch it again? It's gonna spread some more. And it keeps spreading and spreading and spreading. It's this fuel on the fire the more you avoid it. And all of a sudden we just don't get it. And then God's like, how much flames do you want in your life before you catch that I'm trying to teach you something? 
Oh my gosh. Avoidance is fuel. Now I'm picturing fire stories in my mind. <laughs> I remember one time um, in Oregon. I know. <laughs> I remember one time in Oregon we were, we were there. I don't know, Pat, if you were there with that, with the Conklins. They were our neighbors. And every once in a while you do um, like the yearly brush burn. So you take all of your property's stuff and you pile it up. And usually the pile is like two, two and a half stories tall. Like, we're, we're, it's a big pile of stuff, you know? And so we're there, and I found out when they were going to do their brush fire, and I invited myself over to Eric's house, and I was just like, oh, what you doing today? He's like, we got, we got to work, and I was like, oh, let me help. I knew. I knew what was happening. I knew there was going to be a big fire. <laughs> and so we're there, and then his dad, it's a controlled burn. You have to do it in a field, and there's all this stuff. And so I'm there, and, like, they're, they have the gasoline stuff, and they have, you know, they're throwing stuff, trying to just make it burn fast so it burns quickly and it's done. And at one point, I'm like, hey, Eric, can I, um, can I squirt some of the fire on the, can I squirt some of uh, the gas on the fire? And he's like, yeah, sure. So I'm squirting it, and then I get like, I forget, they're supposed to do it safe. And I'm like, <laughs> you know, just <laughs> fire's going everywhere. And then I didn't know this happened. If, you, if you're not pushing it hard enough, and you like let off of it and then push on it again, the fire will shoot back into the can and it will explode. Yes. Oh, Yeah. So I'm doing that, and it's coming back, and he slaps it out of my hand onto the fire. He's like, you almost just died. And I was like, that was the coolest thing I've ever seen. <laughs> but there's these moments. There's these moments, these, these Holy Spirit moments, kind of like this fire. I'm, I'm going to try to tie that in. Where, where we're watching things burn down in front of us, and we start avoiding it, and we start pulling back, and then the fire just keeps getting more and more and more intense. And eventually the Holy Spirit's like, okay, I need you to get this. And he slaps our face, our hand, or whatever. How, how bad, how bad have things gotten before you realize that God is speaking to you? How bad has it gotten? I mean, personal experience, it's got real bad. <laughs> God will keep making the fire spread the more you avoid things in your life. The moment you see something and the more you face it on, God's like, oh, phew. I'm so glad you got that. I'm so glad that, that you're, you're receiving, you're understanding that you're in this process of refinement and you're now worshiping and you're, you're pressing in. I needed you to deal with that for this next season. We have to identify the seasons we're in. Number three, so what does God remove? What's, what's really happening here? As the coffee bean goes in and all this like excess is removed as on the threshing floor, as it goes on the threshing floor and, and all this excess is removed, what's happening to us? In these moments of frustrations and, and heartache and hurt, what is God doing? It's like, it's kind of ambiguous right now, like God's removing stuff. Great. What does that mean? Number, reading the scripture one more time, David replied to Aruna, no, I'm buying it from you and at the full market price. I'm not going to offer God sacrifices that are no sacrifice. Please, please don't misunderstand timing when we extrapolate the scripture. God gives us a free grace. It's a free gift of grace. We're saved. We, we, have, we do nothing for it. We don't pay for it. God gives it through his son, Jesus. 
but there's this response that happens once we're saved, saying, God, I want to grow in my faith. I want to, to remove certain things in my life to grow deeper with you. I really want to serve the kingdom of God at my fullest potential. That's this stuff. That's this sacrifice. This is a sacrificial life that we're living, saying, God, I'm, I'm placing this down. And one of the things that, that goes on the threshing floor, one of the things that is removed during a first roast of coffee is, is A, pride. Oh, our egos. That's like the first thing. It's the worst. It's like, oh man, I got this in the bag. I know what it is. Oh yeah, I'm doing so good in life. And God's like, oh, you're gonna have to go on into the threshing floor again. You're gonna have to get in the coffee roast. Your, your pride is getting too much. Your, your pride is separating you from me. Your pride is now saying that instead of I trust God for my needs, you're saying I can take care of my needs. And God's like, oh, really? You think so? Okay, I'll do this one more time. <laughs> Our pride is huge in the kingdom. Our pride is massive. Pride is, is literally what sent Lucifer out of heaven. It's, I can't derail too much on this, but did you know that the devil Lucifer was created to be the, the lead worshiper for all of humanity of all time? Did you know that? It said that he was the most beautiful creature that was ever made so you can lead everything into worship, amplifying and glorifying God. And at one point, instead of Lucifer saying, we're going to worship God, he was like, look at, oh, I like this feeling. I'm in charge of it. Oh, look at me. And he had so much pride that he was struck out of heaven. He was banished. And there's this moment when, when we embody this pride of, oh, I got this together. I'm doing so good. Oh, it's, it's doing great. And then God's like, oh, I don't want you to end up like him. I want you to be in heaven with me. And so he has to deal with our pride. That's one of the hugest things that he has to work on in all of us. Because it's like our pride will prevent our worship to God. Our pride will prevent us serving other Christians. Our pride will prevent everything. And then B, the, the next thing that God has to work on us is selfishness. Selfishness. This is huge. I like being selfish. I'm going to be honest. It's nice when the world revolves around you. It's nice when, when you're pampered. It's nice when you got everything. It's nice when all things feel good. It's nice when you get your own way. And then, and then God needs to deal with it. He's like, the world doesn't revolve around you. It doesn't. There's so many other souls that are around you right now, and I need you to open up your mind and understand it's not about us, it's about the kingdom of God. It's about who God is. It's about Jesus. It's about expanding the kingdom of God. And with selfishness, we don't do that. With selfishness, we, we just say, it's about me, God. How can I feel better. God, can you keep serving me? I want to feel good. I want to, uh, I, I want more. Like, he's like, it's about us. It's not about you. We're in this together. And, and then see, what does God remove? Lack of self-awareness. 
let's try and think of like what the opposite of self-awareness is because technically is it self-unawareness i don't know lack of self-awareness god removes the lack of self-awareness this one's kind of a little tricky to understand because when we're self-aware we realize who God is and who God has made us and what our role is in the kingdom of God. But when, we're, when we don't have a self-awareness, it's just like we're living our own life and we don't realize the hurt words that we say to other people and we don't realize all the different things we're doing. Have you ever met someone that's like really self-unaware? Like really self-unaware? Like... They don't mean to say something mean, but they do say something mean. Oh, yeah. yeah, you know what I mean? <laughs> you know what I mean? Or <laughs> it's like, 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 oh, how do, you like, how do you like this dinner that I prepared? Oh, this is great, but this sucks. Uh, what? Why would you say that? That's a lack of self-awareness. You know, self-awareness is out the window with that person. And that's just... That's the concept. God's saying, I I need you to be self-aware because when you're self-aware, you understand that you belong to me. And when you're self-aware and you you know that you belong to me, you know how you're built and you know how to function in this kingdom of God. You have a plan and purpose over your life. Jeremiah 29, 11 says that. You belong to something bigger. We're going to wrap this up right now. But I I had something an interesting word that God had spoken to me about this, and it didn't really fit in the three points, and it was just something that, it was just extra. I don't know, extra credit notes. Um, during the pop quiz later, this will be extra credit. Um, there's something interesting about the threshing floor. At the very end, after it's all, all been crushed, right, the oxen walk around, and there's this giant millstone that grinds it, and then the chaff flies out, but you're just left with the wheat, the seeds, the, the excess stuff, right? The stuff you take to the market, and that's your entire paycheck for the year. That's all your money is right there. All of your food is right, everything you live off of is right there. And it's gone through this process. And the interesting thing is, with the threshing floor, did you know once you go through the process, you are required to guard it? with your life. I never knew that. The threshing floor, the moment that the farmer goes through and and grinds the whole thing, he will sleep there, he will eat there, he will not leave at sight, and when he gets tired, he still has to do responsibilities. So then other friends and family will come in and rotate and guard this wheat. It's guarded by all your closest loved ones until it goes into implementation. I thought it was really interesting because it's easy to think that when we're roasted like a coffee bean or we we go through this process of pruning off areas of our life, it's really easy to think it's just a a thing between me and God. But that's where the enemies come in and, and pick it off. They have to guard it because the thieves come in and will try to steal it away. And so when we go through this refinement moments, it would behoove you not to share it with your closest loved ones, confidants, people you trust, to say, would you guard this in my life too? God is doing this, and I'm scared I'm going to lose this lesson. I'm scared that, that the thief is going to come in and, and kill this aspect of my life, and I don't want this to come back. 
That's what this is. You have to have it guarded by your friends and family. I, I thought that was so interesting. See, when God deals with pride and selfishness and a lack of self-awareness, you need friends and family to say, I- I'm going to keep you in check on that. But you have to reach out. The farmer has to reach out. It's your action item, if you will. Amen? Let's pray. Lord, I, I, my dream as a pastor here, you know it, is to see that the word of God becomes real and we live out our faith how you've called us to. I pray that this would not just be an interesting story and parallel of coffee beans, but it would be implemented into our lives to be how we live. God, there are moments that we go through tragedy, but let us turn it around to glorify you and to worship you, God. Prune the areas of our lives that we need pruning in. Because we're here to serve the kingdom of God. We're here to serve you, Lord. Keep ministering to us. Keep speaking to us. In your mighty name, amen. Thank you again for listening to our podcast. If you'd like more information on what we're doing here at Lighthouse Church, visit our website, www.lighthouse805.com.